It's been an interesting 2014. How many of you would say that? Been interesting, maybe full of a lot of good things, maybe some difficult, challenging things, maybe some intermediate middle of the road things um, that have been there. How about we take a little look back over some of the entertainment news of this year? Anyone know what the number one popular movie of 2014 is? It has a little song that goes like this. Let it go. Yes, it's Frozen. That's all I'm singing, especially in that tone. So, um, number one album as well, sadly. See, more in the loss of comedic genius, Joan Rivers and Robin Williams. Lost this year. Taylor Swift takes over the world. You can say what you want about her music. She'll shake it off all the way to the bank. World Cup mania, where United States actually enjoyed soccer for two weeks. Fantastic. You have NFL and the mess of things that happened there. Things that brought things to attention. You also have the bucket challenge. Anyone do the bucket challenge? I did. That cold. Um, so Ebola outbreak that we're still hearing about and things that are still going on. And you had not just one, but now last night, two airlines that go missing, which is strange, isn't it? Hasn't happened, and and I don't know. I haven't heard the last news in the last hour or so, but still searching. You have Jay Leno retiring, and then let's be honest, Jimmy Fallon taking over and making it way better, right? <laughs> Jimmy Fallon all the way. Lots of different things. Plenty of other news stories that I'm not mentioning that made news and kind of stirred up uh, stories and things for us to discuss and things for us to to weigh in on. Lots of things happened. Lots of big things happened. My hunch is lots of big things happened in your life as well. Maybe some exciting news. Maybe you got married this last year. Maybe uh, you had your first child. Maybe you had uh, an adventure, a new job that started. Maybe you had a promotion at the job that you're at. Maybe you have new responsibilities, a new home. Maybe there was some loss that you had to navigate as well. Loss of a relationship or the loss of a friend or the loss of a loved one. I'm thinking back to nine years ago today when I lost my mom and just realizing that loss leaves a hole that's hard to fill. And a lot of you know that. You know what that's like. So there's lots of things that unfold within a year. Lots of things that we stand at this moment, usually the last week, post-Christmas, but pre-2015. And I don't know about you, but I find myself reflecting a lot. Anyone else with me? just kind of reflecting over this last year, reflecting into this next year and the adventures that await and the things that may be accomplishments or things that you want to achieve. And so I thought tonight what we'd do is we'd take a a few minutes and um, at three different times through this message, I want to read some scripture over you. And my hope is, as I've been reading this over my life and my family, that this would be an encouragement to you there would be something in here that you're like, okay, a guy's just reading in Scripture. But we know the Scriptures tell us that these words are alive and active. They're not just a simple textbook. It's not like math or science from high school days. There's something about these words because it's God's story. It's God's words breathed for you to gain life from. So it's not like, it's nothing magical necessarily, 
but there's a life in these words. And I want to read some of these over you. I want to look tonight at three key things that I think we can hold on to as we go into a new year. And then toward the end, we're going to take communion, worship a little bit, and then Brian's going to share for a couple minutes on one focus that we want Element City Church and for you individually to have as we kind of embark into 2015. Make sense? So that's kind of where we're going. If you're new, uh, we usually do a little bit of worship. Um, one of our teaching team members will come up and we'll teach for a little bit. And then we do communion, which is around the room. And then we have a couple worship songs to end. So that's kind of what's in front of you moving forward. And there's a lot of anticipation that happens this time of year. Really, this year is all about this moment, this last week. is all about two things, either reflection or uh, football bowl games, right? That's really about the only two things going on in the world, uh, other than some other news things. But we have a lot of time to reflect. And I want to encourage you in these next few days ahead, as you have time, maybe carve out some time to reflect over this last year. How has God been active in your life? What are some ways that you've seen him active in helping and assisting in showing you his tenderness and showing you his attention? Maybe some ways that he's challenging you to want to, to pull you to become more and more what he's created in, in, in trying to renew you to be. And so if you're here tonight and maybe uh, you're coming back to church for, it's been a long time, and maybe this whole idea of a spiritual journey, you're kind of new and fresh into that, and I think it's awesome that you're here. I know it takes guts coming to a new place, and I know it takes courage, and I'm proud of you for wanting to pursue that. And here's my hope, that somewhere in tonight, God just kind of whispers into your heart, and for those of us who have trusted in Christ, that maybe this is a a night where we kind of lean into what God has for us into 2015, because I think God has something for you to hang on to as we go into this new year. So three things I want us to kind of put our arms and mind around and our hearts around. We just celebrated Christmas. In fact, Christmas Eve, we had a great time here, had our very first Christmas Eve service, about 240 people here, candlelight service. It was awesome, short and sweet, powerful. And uh, y'all were here for that? Many of you. It was fun. It was super fun. And uh, it was our first one in our history of Element City Church. Never had one. So uh, we'll, uh, we'll do it again next Christmas. So uh, we're going to have a great time with that. And what we talked about was what the angel delivered the news in Luke chapter two, in the gospel of Luke, when it says tonight in the town of David, a savior has been born to you, a savior, not a self-help plan given, not a new regimen that you're supposed to, to take on and try to figure out on your own, Not a new uh, plan for you to kind of work your way to God. This is a savior. This is a rescuer has been given to you. And I know a lot of times we approach Jesus as savior. Maybe you're kind of standoffish on that. You're still investigating. That's cool. Keep investigating. Jesus isn't afraid of your questions. He's bigger than that. But we sometimes approach savior like a one-time help. Anyone ever been in a jam before? And you've called that friend, remember? Anyone ever played Monopoly before? Okay. You played Monopoly, right? And then you go to jail and you're like, man, and that you have that card, right? The get out of jail free card, right? And you're like, bam, out of jail. And then you go around and you get in jail again. You're like, hey, I don't have another card. Um, so you're host in Monopoly. But you, maybe you, have a, you get in a jam in life and you have that friend that you call. Maybe you've gotten that flat tire. Your car breaks down and you call that friend who actually gets off their couch, shows up, drives out to where you are to help you, right? 
And you're like, man, you are my savior. That's what we say in a lot of ways. Even if we don't use that word, that's what we mean. And I think sometimes we can begin to approach Jesus like he's our get-out-of-jail-free card. Like sometimes when I get in a jam in life, I just, I'll pull out that card and use it. The problem is sometimes when we start to see our spiritual journey that way, we start to see Jesus that way, is uh, we limit Jesus. In fact, we limit ourselves because we think we only have one or two cards that we can play. Tonight in the town of David, a Savior has been born, been given to you, and he is more than a get-out-of-jail-free card. He is more than just a friend who gets you out of a jam, who lends you money when you're in a financial tight place and you need that help. He's more than just a person who shows up in the nick of time. Like a couple weeks ago, I was playing in a golf tournament and out in Vail. And I don't live anywhere near Vail. And uh, you ever had that moment where you shut the door after you've locked it and your keys yell at you from inside? You're like, dummy! And the door closes. And that was me. And they were yelling dummy at me. And I was like, I'm the dummy. Um, and I looked at my friend who I'd picked up and driven out there an hour away and said, hey, guess what? Keys yelling at me, dummy. Um, and they're inside. There's no windows open. Can't figure anything out. I'm getting ready to call my wife who's an hour away and be like, hey, babe, love you. 20 years almost. It's awesome. Um <laughs> <clears throat> and I realized she's got the kids, and they're going out, and there's, there's no way. And so then someone said, well, call the fire department. So I'm like, oh, great. I'm the guy <laughs> calling the fire department. Michael, I know you would come help me. Um, but I was out there, like, call the fire department, and I'm like, yeah, I'm the guy, silver Jeep. Lock my keys, my car. And they come out, and they spend like the next 40 minutes trying to break into my Jeep, finally get in, get my keys. But they got me out of that jam, right? Try to pay him. Hey, you can't pay. You can't tip. I didn't realize that. So I still got to figure out how I'm going to you know, slip cookies over there or something. I don't know. But they bailed me out. And sometimes we end up approaching God like that, where God, you're, you're kind of my get out of jail card. You're kind of my, you get me out of the jam I'm in. And in a lot of ways, that's a good thing. But I want to encourage you going into 2015 that Jesus is way more than your get out of jail free card because he has no limits. And it's not about just bailing you out. In fact, his grace is there to empower you daily. And maybe here's the first one for you to hang on to is this is that God has you. As you go into 2015, as you face what uh, faces you as you rolls into January this year, here's what I know about you. I know that in this coming year, you're going to face challenges. Friend, God has you. I know you're going to face unexpected things. And I'm here to tell you, God has you. I know you're going to face some setbacks that you didn't see coming. Friend, God has you. I know you're going to face some, uh, some heartaches that you wouldn't wish on anybody else. God has you. I know you're going to face some joys and some, some glorious times, some amazing moments where you don't want to celebrate alone. And I want to tell you, God has you. He's right there with you. You're going to find some opportunities where God's going to surprise you with his presence and with his attention and his comfort and his care. Why? Because he's a God who has you. See, 
what the angel talked about at Christmas time, what we remember, the Savior has been born to you, is what Paul actually picks up on later on in Romans, where he writes, I think, one of the most beautiful passages of Scripture that speaks about our security as we put our faith in Christ. And maybe you're here and you've never really come to a place where you've said, I want to trust my life, not to myself, but I want to trust my life to this Jesus guy. And I can think of no better reason to do that than to realize God's love for you and the fact that he has you no matter what you face. And I know you may push back and say, Jack, there's a lot of difficult things that go on in the world. There's a lot of hard things. How could God let all of that happen? And you know what? That's a great question. It really is. And I don't have an easy answer for that. I got a lot of questions myself. But at the end of the day, here's what I know. For 40 years, God's had me. He's had me. And even when I tried to run, and even when I tried to deny it, and even when I questioned it with doubts, it doesn't scare him off. He has me. That's why Paul writes some amazing words, words of truth that speak to you. And so if it's comfortable for you, I would encourage you just to kind of close your eyes and just listen as, the, as these words kind of pour over you in a way that you might know as a follower of Jesus that God has you. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, then maybe open up your mind and open up your heart to consider the possibility that God could have you too. A Savior was given. That's what the angels said. That's what prompted Paul to write words like this in Romans chapter 8. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died? More than that. Who was raised to life is at the right hand of God, and he also intercedes for you. Think about that. Jesus isn't like taking time off right now. He's actually interceding, praying for you. That's amazing. He has you. He has you. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? That is written, for those... uh, For your sake, we face death all along. We are considered as sheep being led to slaughter. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors, victorious through him who loves us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angel nor demon, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers in 2015 and beyond. Neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Friend, he has you. And whatever comes and unfolds this year, just a few days away, whatever goals that you set to to try to achieve, and they're good things, we'll get to that. Live with the foundation that God has you. He's got you. Let that grip your heart and move your soul to realize that you're going to be okay, that he has you. So first off, he has you. Second one is this. 
Love matters most. Love matters most. As you look back over this past year, and maybe even expand it to beyond that year, uh, there's a lot of accomplishments we try to achieve. There's a lot of accolades or advancements we try to make. And those are good things, and you should pursue goals. But at the end of the day, my hunch is you come to the conclusion that relationships matter most. That beyond the accolades and beyond the achievements, beyond the advancements of anything that you can do, those have a shelf life to them of satisfaction, don't they? That there's somewhere in us, we're kind of wired this way, we're kind of born this way, to borrow language from a modern-day poet, to say we were kind of born this way. To, to want to have relationship, to have connection with one to another. In fact, as Jesus uh, or as God is going through the whole creation story, you'll remember that God created in this, there's this rhythm of this Hebrew poetry language that's going, God created and he saw that it was good and he said, this is good, right? And then in Genesis 2.18, he comes to the first time we see a negative response from God. It's called the law of first reference. When that happens the very first time, you have to take notice of that, of why. And here's what God says. It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And it's not a second-class statement at all. It's not a subservient thing. It's, it's almost like gears that fit together, that they need one another to turn and to go and to work and to be fully who they are, that we were wired relationally to pursue relationship. And now I'm not talking just romantic. I'm talking about just relationship in general with other people, that we are fashioned out of the image of God. And God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit live in this intertrinitarian kind of love relationship that we were fashioned out of. We, we were designed to have and pursue relationship with God and with one another. That relationships, that love matters most. So you can pursue accomplishments and advancements and achievement, and you should. You should use your skill sets and your abilities and the passions that God's given you to do great things in this world. But my hunch is, even at the end of the day for you, you would know that that's not enough just to achieve those things, but that you long deep inside to be connected, to share life one to another. To say, I'm in this about something else. In fact, Jesus is asked the question one day about what's the most important commandment. In fact, they were asking in that day for a rule because they lived under the system, the structure of I've got to work my way to God. I've got to do enough things for God in order to be in right relationship with him. And so they were asking for a rule. They were saying, Jesus, what's the most important thing out of all the laws that was passed down through Judaism and all the laws that existed? What's the most important one, right? Don't you ever ask that when you're in class in college? What's the most important assignment I'm supposed to? I mean, we all kind of look that way in life. And Jesus answers the question in Matthew 22. Here's what he says. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees, and other religious group got together and they tried to stump Jesus with this question. They said, teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? They were looking for a rule. Jesus responds with relational language. Here's what he says. Here's the most important, he says. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and all of the prophets hang 
on these two commandments. Anyone ever hung a mirror at your house or your apartment, right? Or you hung a picture, right? You put a nail in the wall, you put it there, and then you hung up a picture or you hung up a mirror and it was supposed to hang on that nail, right? What Jesus just said here is you want to know what matters. Jesus actually, in two sentences, sums up the entire Old Testament. The entire thing. All of what the prophets said to the people is they were sent by God to be the mouthpiece to the people to say, here's what it matters to God. And all of the laws that were established and that God established and said, here, not just the, you know, the top ten commandments, but the other laws that he said, Jesus sums them up in two sentences. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law, the entire Old Testament, all the prophets, it hangs on these two commandments. You pull the nail out of that, the mirror shatters. And that's where people get sideways with religion, is they start picking up one little thing and saying, well, see, you're not doing that. It's because it's a shattered mirror on the ground. What was important was the nail. Jesus is saying, all the law and all the prophets hang on love God, love people. Love matters most. And so make it a year in 2015 that you predetermine, God, I want to get better at this relational connection thing with you and with other people. God, it's okay for me to pursue advancement. It's okay for me to pursue achievement and accomplishment. And those are great things. And you should build your business. And you should, you know, do your best at work. And you should do all those things. But listen, if you only do those things, you will wake up a year from now and you will be sad, you will be lonely, and you'll be frustrated. Why? Because those things don't fill you. They don't fulfill you. They, they, give a, they give a high for a moment. But you always need another hit of accomplishment and achievement and approval of other people. If you aim your life at what Jesus is saying, loving God, loving people, you will wake up a year from now being relationally rich. And you'll be pleased at where you are. Now, does that mean you're going to have perfect relationships? <laughs> um, I'm assuming you've been on the planet more than six months. Uh, no. Does that mean there's going to be no relation, you know, relational strife? Seriously, you've been around the block, okay? Relationships are messy, aren't they? We all know that. For some of you, you're like, that's an understatement. I get it. But Jesus still says, you're looking for a rule. And I'm telling you, there's a relational connection here that matters most. You love God and love people. What might that look like for you to take some steps in that this year? Can I just suggest two things? One is to be a better person who loves God more deeply, more authentically, more genuinely, more relationally. You have to get to know him. Relationships take investment, don't they? You know that. You may be sitting next to someone right now and you're like, yeah, you just get it. That relationships take investment. And so why not just make it a point to invest in your relationship with God? What does that look like? Well, maybe that looks like making elements a part of your normal part of your week. 
and just coming. Maybe that looks like, you know, we use version around here. In fact, some of you are on your phone and maybe you're not tweeting yet, uh, but you're like looking at version because we put all our sermon notes on there. Do you realize that there's like 300 Bible reading plans on there that are all free? If you just go to your app store and type in the word Bible, the very first app that comes up is version. Download it. It's free. Why not if you just start January 1st and say, you know what, I'm going to do a reading plan. If you're a guy and you're like, reading plans, that's like school. Yeah, pick a seven-day one, okay? You can do that. Don't pick a 365-day one. No one finishes those things, all right? Just pick a short one and then finish it. And at the end, my hunch is you'll go, hey, that was, that was actually pretty good. Because here's what you do. You just open it up, you read the reading plan, and before you start reading, just say, God, I just want to get to know you. And so would you just help me see you in your word? Jesus is saying, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. How do you build connection one to another? Well, part of that's maybe being around people. Uh, We've got e-groups that get ready to start up here in two or three weeks now. And uh, what a great opportunity to start the year by getting connected with some other people in a small group for maybe a six-week session where you're just watching a video together, learning about the Bible together, having some discussion, and eating some snacks, okay? It's not complicated, um, and it's not threatening if you will open yourself up to the opportunity to actually grow connection with one another so that you have some friends that you're actually getting to know, and they're getting to know you, that you could be a blessing into their life, and they could be a blessing into yours. There's two simple ways that you can start this year, but here's the, the bottom line. Make it a predetermined decision to say, God, I want love to matter most to me in 2015. So I'm going to do what I can to become relationally rich with you and with other people this year. So that's the second one. Love matters most. The third one is this. Live on mission. Live on mission. As I step into 2015, here's what I know I'm going to be doing this week. Setting some goals for this year. If you don't set goals, you don't accomplish goals, okay? So I have some goals that I sat, you know, in the past that kind of sat out there and I said, hey, I want to do this. So a few years ago, I said, I want to finish seminary. So I didn't. I said, I want to finish it in four years, and I did, okay? It was a goal that I wanted to accomplish, and I did that. I've set out other goals. Here's my goal, and I'm doing this for accountability. Oh, Jesus, I hate this. Um, my goal is to be in better shape by my birthday next year in December, okay? So I have now said that out loud. Ugh, I hate everything about that, but... I know it's a goal because I'm turning 45 next year. That's like half my life. And I'm going, okay, I need to be in better shape. So I now have 300 accountability partners. Fantastic. Um, But this is a marathon, not a sprint. And so this is a long-term goal for me. And I've now set it, okay? So you have every right now. And those of you watching online can email me to say, hey, how's that going? Oh, I hate that. Okay, that was my goal. I'm putting that out there. Uh, One of my other goals is I want to write a book in the next two years. And so I'm telling you, that's what one of my goals is. And so here's my hunch. Somewhere in this week, you're going to probably sit down and go, I have a goal. Lots of people start off with New Year's resolutions, right? Don't set New Year's resolutions. Just set a goal for the year. 
of what you'd like to see, what you'd like to do. Does that make sense? Take some time to do that. We do that individually. We live on a mission. But I want us corporately as a church to to live on a mission of a greater story. Because it's not just about what you can accomplish and what goals you set individually. Those are good things. God wants you to do that. Pursue those. Ask him to empower you to pursue those. Those are good things. But friends, we have to understand that as a follower of Jesus, and I'm speaking mostly to those of you who say, Jesus is my savior. To those of you who are still searching that out, great, you get a pass on this one, okay? But to those of us who have said, Jesus, I'm living my life for you. Well, friend, you have a mission that's bigger than you. And if you've forgotten about that, then this is the time where Jesus wants to remind you that you are to live on mission that's bigger than just what you individually can accomplish. In fact, at the end of Jesus's ministry, this is post-resurrection, he gathers his followers then, and the same challenge goes out to his followers now. And here's what he says in the end of the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 28. He says, he gathers them all together, the Mount of Olives there, and he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore, go. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've said to you, and surely I am with you to the very ends of the age. You go. You live on mission. The main goal of a follower of Jesus is to invite other people to Jesus. That's the point. That's the goal. That's the mission that you have and that I have. Now, I know for some of you, you're like, whoa, oh, oh introvert. <laughs> introvert, I don't talk to people. Um, don't care. Um, Jesus didn't give introverts a pass. Okay? Jesus said, you go and make disciples. You go and invite people to investigate me. The story you're enfolded into, friends, is a biblical story that's been unfolding for thousands of years, and it's the only story that, will, that has no shelf life to it. Your story has a shelf life to it. So does mine. Jesus' story doesn't have an expiration date. And so therefore, he said to his followers, you go and make disciples. Our vision, our mission as a church is inviting people into a life-giving, life-changing relationship with Jesus. That's what we're about. We make no apology for that. That is why we gather every week. It's why we do the mission stuff we do locally. It's why we're starting to think globally. It's why we do everything we do. We want people to connect relationally with Jesus to find life in him and to find this life-giving source that empowers their daily living. So as a person who's following Jesus, you have been enfolded into a greater mission. How do you do that? Well, love matters most. And you do that because he has you and you're secure in him. And you just live your life in a way where you say, hey, why don't you come to church with me? Why, Why don't you ask those questions. Why don't you just read along with me? What, what if we read the gospel of John together? And you just ask me any question you got. What if you just showed up one time? What if you came with me as I went to serve somewhere? What if you just invited people to Jesus? Now, do you have to answer every question? No. Do I have to answer every question? Hope not. 
I'll answer the best I know. But do you see how simple and relational this is? Introverts or extroverts, you can invite friends. Period. It's not complicated. You do it all the time naturally, don't you? You already do it. So just live on mission where Jesus says, you go wherever you're at and you make disciples. You invite people to kind of get close and to investigate who Jesus is. It's called the Great Commission of Christ. He gave it to the early church, the first century church, and it's given to every generation of the church since. Why? Because it matters. It matters. First Timothy chapter 2 says this, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them intercede on their behalf. This is good and it pleases our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and understand the truth. For there is one God, there is one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. He gave his life to purchase the freedom for everyone. You just invite people to grace, not judgment, to grace. Because you received it, freely you've been given, freely you pass along. I invite people. Your life matters. Your life can be a billboard to say, God, I want to use my life the best I know how, whether that's on Facebook, whether that's on my just conversations with people I know and trust, people that I'm connected to, and just invite and see what happens. Do you know, I've read a study recently, 82% of people who would be invite, who a friend would invite them to church actually would show up. But we're often so scared to invite people. And, you know, maybe you were invited tonight and you're here and you're like, wow, that guy's talking about me. Yeah, sorry. Um, I hope that's not weird. Because we don't want to be weird. We try real hard not to be weird. We try to be real. And to let you know and for you to investigate it on your own. And for to have a great worship and have a great moment where we can step aside and kind of hit the pause in life and to say, what does God have to say to me? So here's three things. God has you. Going into this year, he has you, friend. Be secure in that. Love matters most. Predetermine in your mind this year to say, God, I want love to matter most in my life. And so I want to work on loving you and loving people. Would you just help me to become relationally rich this year? And live on mission. Begin simply praying. God, who's the one person that you'd like to see me invite a little closer to you. And I don't know what that all looks like yet. Maybe it's not even getting to church. It's just, we'll go to lunch or something. Um, And we'll just like be friends. Okay, then who is that? The question tonight, very simply, is this. What I want you to wrestle with between now and the new year is simply this. Of those three things, what's the one thing that God's kind of nudging you right now where you sit in the next few moments as we observe communion and as we worship and as uh, Brian kind of shares a focus for us, what's the one thing that you are sensing that God's saying, hey, I want you to become better, more focused at um, that making love matter most or, or at you know just resting in me that I've got you or that living on mission, inviting people to come with you to understand the joy that you have in life and for them to see it. Does it make sense? So here's what I want to do. I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to move into a time of communion. And again, we've got communion stations, two down front, two up here. We do have gluten-free uh, bread down here if you want that. Um, and 
I want to just pray for you to have a moment. Lyle's going to sing here, and then Brian's going to share real quick, and we'll have one more song after that. That between now and the end of the service, that God will kind of nudge your heart with which one of these three that he'd love for you to focus and what a step in that direction may look like for you individually. And so, Father, I pray that as we move toward a time of communion, remembering the fact of that you came at Christmas, that you sent your son Jesus, and he wasn't just a baby forever, that he grew up and he had a lot of things to say and a lot of things to teach, some of which we've looked at tonight. That he talked about a kingdom, a reign, a way of life that was contrary to the world of his day and it's contrary to the world of our, uh, the way of life that our world kind of pushes and promotes. God, as we lean into this between now and Easter, may we understand his life and his teachings, his miracles and what he has, that he went to the cross for my brokenness and my shame and my sin, and he bore that for all of those who would trust in him, that he was a savior, not just a self-help, not just a good guy, a good teacher. He was more. That those who turn their life to him and trust in what he did in his death and in his resurrection can have life with you, can have a security that you've got us, can live with a mission that's bigger than just what we can carve out and create, and that can have love as a foundation, loving you, loving others. And so in these next few moments, would you move our hearts, stir us to action for what you have for us in 2015. Lord, we love you. We thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice, for your life, for your death and for your resurrection mostly. Would you empower us this year to have a great year with you? Would you help us to be people that live on mission? with you. Pray that in Jesus' name.